This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. Quite obviously, the demise of the New England Patriots was greatly, greatly exaggerated. Of course it was. I mean, listen, they laid a beatdown on the Chargers Sunday. You know, it's unbelievable. Every single year, or so it seems, this team, they look so ordinary for five or six games to the point that we start writing them off. We're like, this is the year. The New England Empire is finally going to crumble. This is the year. Tom Brady, what is he, 41 now? He's going to fall right off that cliff. We do that every year. And you know what happens? You know what happens. We write them off, and then come December or January, bam, they become world beaters. It never ends. It's without fail. Ugh, gotta hate it. Anyway, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode number 85 of the Moranalytics podcast. Today is Tuesday, January 15th, 2019. I am Patrick Moran. Coming up on today's show, I'll be joined by Aaron Quinn from Cover One. If you guys don't already know about Cover One, you definitely should know. Cover One is one of the elite websites when it comes to covering the Buffalo Bills They go well beyond the box score, well beyond the game recaps. They break down film as good or better than anyone else. They have some analytics, not more analytics, some actual real-life analytics. They have a really strong podcast, one that Aaron is a major part of. They just do a lot of things very well. It's spearheaded by Eric Turner, who also works with The Athletic. And Eric has been a guest on this show as well before. Today, Aaron Quinn and I run down the playoffs from this past weekend, including that New England team I mentioned at the top that just never, ever goes away. You know, I think, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think for the majority of people, I think we got what we wanted this weekend. We go into Sunday with the best four teams in the NFL playing each other. No matter what happens on Sunday, you're going to get a Super Bowl that's going to be highly entertaining. Two good offenses, two good quarterbacks, bunch of great skill players. I'm sure, and again, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you certainly don't want New England to win. But no matter what happens, 
it's just going to be a great story. Breeze versus Brady. Tell me that's not interesting. Goff versus Mahomes. No matter what, no matter what combination you throw out there, the Super Bowl is going to be great. Anyway, we talk about those games before we ultimately turn our attention to the Buffalo Bills. Aaron gives us his insight on several players on the team. And he also gives us insight on a handful of guys that the Bills may end up targeting via free agency come March or even the NFL draft in late April. We also hit the Moranalytics interest meter on a variety of topics. We talk about the podcast that he's a big part of much more. I'll have that chat for you in just a minute. Just a quick announcement before that. I got some really good guests coming up over the next handful of shows. I've already been able to confirm Buffalo area sports talk show host is the Buffalo sports page. The half hour hockey show does so many different things. Kevin Sylvester, he's going to be on the show. I got Charlotte Wilder from Sports Illustrated, very talented writer, great podcast host. She's going to be on. I also got Alex Pruitt, also from Sports Illustrated. He wrote an incredible piece on Jack Eichel recently. I'm excited to talk to him about that as well. Bunch of really good guests. And I also got some conversations brewing with other potential guests. I don't want to drop names until I'm able to make those official, but I think that they're guests that you're going to really, really like hearing from. That's down the road, though. Let's get into today's podcast. Here's my chat with Aaron Quinn of Cover One, followed by the Moranalytics MVP and LVP. All right, my guest today is a podcast co-host, graphic artist, and contributor at Cover One, which, like I talked about at the opening earlier, is a highly informative and entertaining Buffalo Bills fan blog. He's a really good dude, too. I'm talking about Aaron Quinn. What's going on, Aaron? How you doing, buddy? Doing well, man. How you doing tonight? I'm doing good. It's nice to finally catch up with you and talk to you in, well, not in person, but at least over Skype. We've talked on Twitter for quite a while, but we've never been able to hook up and have a conversation before. So kind of looking forward to this. Yeah, no, I'm thankful you had me on. Like you said, it's been years now of uh, going back and forth. And it's funny when you're on Twitter, uh, you don't really get a chance to talk to people. I always wonder that when I'm kind of walking around is uh, who who I, in this store uh, have I interacted with on Twitter before? I'm sure it happens more often than I know. <laughs> well, I want to talk about cover one again. I mentioned it at the top. I'm a big fan of the site because it's unique and it's different. Tell me first how you got involved with cover one. Yeah, so I've done I've been on Twitter for years, uh, giving my bills opinions and things like that. I did a little bit of YouTube video in, in 2012 with a couple of guys really enjoyed it. It didn't really work out. Uh, it it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth until I saw what Eric was doing over at cover one. And I was following his stuff. And I, I at the at the same time, I just left my job. I'm a stay at home dad. So I kind of had a little too much time on my hands. And my wife said, you know, write down the list of things that you really want to do or learn or whatever it is that is going to give you some passion. And obviously the first thing that popped up is like, what do I like the most? The bills. And I said, well, I'm not, the bills aren't going to hire me. WGR is not going to hire me. What am I going to do with that? And I got to thinking, I, I said, you know, I'm just going to reach out to this guy. And I reached out to Eric and I just said, Hey man, I don't know how I can help you. Here's all the things that I know how to do. I know how to work on websites. I know some graphic design a little bit. I know marketing. What can I do to help you? I love 
the mission and I love what you're doing because uh, I really think and I still am a fan of the work, even though I'm working with him. Sure. That 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 analytical um, deep dive into the playbook is what the modern fan wants. Uh, you know, my neighbor doesn't really particularly care about that, but I think the up and coming fan wants more and more information. So I, I felt like he was a little bit revolutionary in that sense. And so I got real passionate about it and I, I hit him up. He kind of was like, I don't know, man. I think he gets hit up a lot with that kind of thing. He's like, I don't know. And so sure. I, I left it alone, hit him up again. And eventually he's like, you know what? Uh, do a couple graphic things for me. Let me see. It ended up clicking. He and I, uh, we have a great relationship. And then over time, working with him in the graphics department, he really, we'd talk about football all the time. He said, you know, I need another voice on the podcast, just even somebody to help out when we can't get anybody on. Uh, that was at the time we were doing locked on bills. Uh, we, we don't do that anymore. We do our own internal podcast. And, uh, over the course, he kind of just handed it over to me and said, you know what, you take the podcast run with it. You know what you're doing. You're real, real helpful with this. And, and recently we added Greg Thompson, uh, as a co-host as well. And it's been super awesome. We get great feedback and, uh, I'm just super lucky to work with a great group of guys. It's not just Eric, it's, it's all of them. And the content they put out really just keeps it going and, and keeps you passionate about it. Sure. Now, Eric, man, dude, he's a really good guy. Very talented. I've had him on this show before. I kind of hate him, though. And I've told him this before because I'm jealous. Dude, he's got a radio voice, pristine sounding voice. I was interviewing him. I'm like, dude, holy shit. Why are you not on radio right now? Kind of pisses yeah. me off, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Because that was the first thing I told him when he's like, dude, you, you try the podcast. And I was like, man, I hate how I sound. I've done it before. I hate everything about my voice. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I don't know. He's like, I don't worry about it. And I was doing it with him and I was like, man, you sound great. You always, you know, you always sound great. You talk so clear. You don't give the ums and all that. You're like a professional to me. And he's like, oh my God, I hate doing this. I hate everything about it. I never want to be on the show at all. And I'm like, oh my God, the, I got to beg him sometimes. If the Bills have a really good game or he sees something that he's really excited about, he'll hop on the show with us. And the fans eat it up. They love when he's there, obviously. Uh, but other than that, he's like, no, I'm out tonight, guys. I'm always trying to get him on. Uh, but he still does all the video content. Uh, and he sounds great on that. And th dude, the guy... He is a multi-talented dude. He learned uh, video production all by himself. And when he first started out, they were okay. But now, I don't know if you've seen any of the recent videos and stuff that him, he and Nate do and the, the graphics that he puts in the videos. He self-taught himself to do that just because of his passion for breaking it down. So the guy's, he wears a lot of hats and he's multi-talented. But yeah, that voice, man, it, I, I'm jealous because all the podcasts I do, I wish I had that. <laughs> now, the whole Twitterverse, obviously, if you're a Bills fan, you know all about cover one. But there's a lot of casual fans listening who may not know about it. So for those people out there, what are some of the things that you guys do that, in your opinion, kind of separate cover one from some of, if not many, or even most of the other Buffalo Bills fans, websites and blogs? Yeah, so we do have a little bit of the commentary that you find everywhere. I think everybody's got to have a little bit of that. Sure. That's really that's what Greg and I really provide through the podcast. Uh, but Eric uh, and, and some of the other guys he's got on the scouting side of things really take deep dives into the playbook. So on the Bill side, they look at particular plays in the game, particular players. You know, Eric doesn't ever go into his game breakdowns that he does uh, with any type of narrative in mind. He doesn't exit the game and say, hey, I want to break down Jerry Hughes. What he does is he'll watch the game back and whatever flashes to him on film, he says, you know, why is this? Why is that? Let me break it down a little bit further. And I think that he has a real pulse on what the fan base wants to see as well. Or even sometimes we don't know what we want to see until he shows us and says, hey, guys, you know, this showed up on film. 
it's either a concern or this is something to be optimistic about. Um, and, and so I think he provides that level, that deep level of content that you don't really see anywhere else. I know the NFL networks kind of trying to get into, you see a lot of the major networks really trying to get into these deep dives uh, and really break down film and stuff, but he's, he's just has an innate ability to do it. Uh, and then we also go to the draft side of things. So we have a draft podcast, the uh, uh, NFL draft cover one NFL draft. Those guys break down prospects all year long. So when it's this time of year, I say it on our podcast all the time, we're kind of finishing up our season. And I said, Hey, the content's really about to start coming out for cover one, because these guys work all year to scout these prospects. And as they're entering their drafts, you know, the combine and the senior bowl, their, their content's only going to start coming out on their final official scouting reports on these guys, their big boards, things like that. So, uh, it, like I said earlier, the fan really wants this deep dive into who these guys are coming into the draft or the guys on your team. And I think that's where we really excel uh, here with cover one. And I, I just really enjoy working with the guys. Uh, everybody that does it is really passionate and positive. And, and that's another thing I'll, I'll mention about Eric. I think he taught me to look at football the way scouts do, which is uh, we'll take Josh Allen, for instance. I was very opposed to Josh Allen prior to the draft. I really, I, was, I think I was like almost every fan when they announced Josh. I was hoping they said Rosen and then they said Allen and I felt like somebody shot me in the arm. Yeah, you're not alone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not alone in that. But, you know, I took some time to reflect and and Eric was a guy that was in our Slack channel, which if you're a premium member, you can get into the Slack channel. And he was saying, you know what, guys, I don't like him that much either, but they saw something in him. So let's find what they saw in him and figure out how the bills can take him and take advantage of those tools that he has. So it kind of taught me to take that uh, upset fan bias away from some of how I look at the game and look at the positives and say, okay, this guy isn't great at certain things, but what do the coaches see in him and how are they going to try to play to those strengths? Because everybody's got flaws. It's easy to point out the flaws. It's hard to find what guys do well and then accentuate what they do well. So I think all that total, that was a little bit long-winded to describe kind of what separates us, but I think that whole, uh, you know, we get some of us get called homers a lot, but I think there's an optimism and trying to look at it, it through the scouts' perspective uh, that separates us. Yeah, sure. I mean, collectively, you guys do a good job. And for those who don't know, I mean, it, the work that Eric does didn't go unnoticed. When the uh, Buffalo Athletic Division formed this summer, he was one of those first hires, too. So, yeah, that's pretty good. And by the way, not a bad little gig to get hired by the Athletic and be one of the first choices, too. I mean, Tim Graham, John Vogel, Chris Baker, hell of a staff they put together right from the start. And for Eric to be part of that initially, that that, that was a really good accomplishment for him. Oh, absolutely. I I I saw the writing on the walls and I was trying to pry it out of him. I think he knew obviously before the announcement and I saw who they were kind of putting together and you saw things coming out on Twitter and I was like, dude, they're, they're going to pick you up. He's like, Oh, you know, tried to play it very humble and coy. Like, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> and I said, dude, they, they got it. Look at the staff they're putting together. You're the only one that does this thing that these other guys don't do. And, uh, it, it just seemed like the perfect fit for me because I, I love what Tim Graham does over there. And I love Fairburn. I love the stuff that they've been able to do, but he yeah. kind of really balances that out with the breakdown side of things. And if people haven't subscribed over to the athletic, I don't give my money away to a lot of things. I'm actually pretty opposed to paying for content for the most part, but I've gotten my money's worth and then some out of the athletic this year. Yeah, I completely agree. Let's spend a few minutes talking about the NFL playoffs. Four games this weekend, most of them not really too competitive. Let's start with New England. They dominated the Chargers 41. I almost said San Diego. Dude, I am still getting used to saying LA. I do it all the time. Yeah, 
Well, they beat the Chargers 41-28. And at the end of the game, that was garbage time. It wasn't even that close. How does New England every year seem to annually play their best football in December and January? It's like they have a light switch on. I said this at the intro of the show. Five, six games every year, you want to write them off. They look ordinary. They're very beatable. You know what I mean? Is this the year Brady's finally going to go off that cliff? You know, the empire is going to crumble, but every single year they pull it together when it matters. And now for the eighth straight year, they're in the AFC championship. And it's not even so much that they're in the championship again. It's that they absolutely dominated the Chargers team that many people, including myself, thought had an excellent chance to beat New England. Yeah, man, it's super defeating. I was on uh, in Toronto's radio station and Raj up, up there was kind of framing the same question. Like, how do you do it as a Bills fan? How do you deal with this year after year? And I told him, man, it's it's hard. You try not to think about it, but it's in your face all the time. And uh, for me personally, a little personal background. I was born in uh, Connecticut and I grew up in Maine. Uh, so I was surrounded by New England fans, even though I didn't in all that time in New England, I didn't know a single New England Patriots fan until 2001. I'll just put that <laughs> out there. But uh, so every one of my good, really good lifelong friends is a Patriots fan. So it's extra hard for me because sure. my phone blows up and my Twitter DMs blow up every time the Patriots have success. And so trust me, it's always blowing up. Uh, so I'm hoping as a Bills fan, obviously it'll come to an end. I don't see it. I try not to get on the excited uh, bandwagon that I, I see people saying on Twitter, even smart, intelligent football minds saying, you know, Brady doesn't have it. I say, you know what? Uh, when when the playoffs come around and I see him fail, that is when I'll start to believe it. But uh, unbelievable game by them. Uh, I tried for years to just let my hate uh, rot for them, but you can't. I mean, you got to give respect to Bill Belichick and sure. Tom Brady, the, what they have done in sports uh, and, and the way the league is set up to have parity and the fact that that their success just flies in the face of that is unbelievable. And uh, as Bills fans, we should appreciate it more because we are just trying to get to even close to where they are. And that's in the playoffs with any consistency. And, and that seems to be almost unattainable. Let me ask you this. I'm going to veer off to the left a little bit here. Probably should have asked you earlier. What made you become a Buffalo Bills fan, especially since if if you didn't grow up in Buffalo, how did you become one? Yeah, that's a good one. I get asked that all the time. So I do live in Buffalo now, too, which is even a little weirder. So we'll get to that. Uh, So uh, when I was a kid, um, obviously not a ton of Patriots fans around me, a lot of Giants fans, Jets fans, uh, things of that nature. My dad grew up a Packers fan and my brother, who's older than me, is a big time Bears fan. So we have a bit of a weird household no no Patriots fans in my in my life and real no Giants fans so I didn't have any of that family draw to kind of draw you into the local teams I did have two best friends from Rochester who were diehard Bills fans uh from the first time I can remember so right in the 90s and I just saw I went over there to watch football one day we all played football outside I went over to watch with them these diehard Bills fans and I watched Thurman Thomas and I instantly fell in love I said this is that's my team I I love this guy I love Mm. this team and I just absolutely fell in love with them and I became a diehard fanatic in the middle of New England and I never looked back and even through all the hard years and all that stuff I just uh I'm one of the most diehard fans that all my friends know even here in Buffalo uh people say dude you're you're too crazy about it it's weird so uh not a lot of people that have no attachment to Buffalo. Uh, I hadn't even been to Buffalo until I think it was 
uh, the year T.O. was here, uh, a bunch of friends and I came up to Buffalo for the first time ever because it was cheaper to get tickets to yeah, Buffalo was than 2009, it was. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it was cheaper to get the tickets to come up here uh, than it was to get them in New England because I used to go to the Bills New England game every year. I was there for the unfortunate Leotis uh, McCalvin fumble game on Monday night. But uh, so, yeah, always been there. And then eventually, I know with my uh, my wife had a chance to move for her job. And with that job, uh, we we got to pick a city and there was a bunch of cities and uh, I put Buffalo up high on our list and I convinced her of the reasons why there was a bunch of fake reasons why about cost of living and all this stuff. But really, (laughs) we all know in the back of my mind what it was. And she was amazing enough to just kind of say, oh, yeah, honey, that sounds great and put it on the list. And uh, they gave it to us. And we've been here since 2012 and we absolutely love the city. We love everything. And I even have converted her into a Bills fan. That's really cool. Have you ever talked to Thurman on Twitter? Does he know that you're the reason why he became a Bills fan? You know, when uh, I usually don't tweet at the players uh, or things like that, but when his, I got a little emotional uh, during his number, when the, that whole week of, of retiring his number, and I did tweet sure. at him and that and one of the things that he tweeted out i got in his mentions i said you know thurman it's it's crazy how the world works when i think back on on it that watching you as a kindergarten aged child has uh changed my life to where my two sons are have been born in buffalo uh, and I, I live in buffalo and i'm putting down roots here now as silly as that sounds to say it out loud uh it's kind of cool and i did say it and I, I think he liked the tweet uh but i didn't get anything back from him i'll tell you what i'll make sure he hears this He'll know. He's going to know how Aaron Quinn became a Bills fan. All right, let's get back to New England real quick. We're we're on the running back thing. Sony Michelle had another big game. I'll tell you, everyone talks about the great quarterback class that 2018 may turn out to be, and that very well may be true, but don't discount these running backs. I mean, between him, of course, Saquon Barkley, Chubb, Lindsey, this is shaping up to be one hell of a rookie running back class as well. Yeah, no doubt. And so in our premium Slack channel, uh, Greg, my co-host, and I go at it all the time because I'm never going to dismiss the fact that it's totally a passing league. I get it. I understand the passing stats. I get the DVOA and the passing percentages. But I think a lot of people discredit the running game and what a running back can do for your team, especially in football in January. Uh, all all September when these pe- passing stats were getting lit up and everyone said, Oh, the game's changing. I said, just wait till January and let's see how these good teams win. And you saw it this weekend a little bit. Uh, obviously Tom Brady still had a great game, but Michelle, man, whoo, he was fantastic. Yeah. And he was a guy that Eric got me excited about through the draft process last year. Cause I don't get a chance to watch a ton of college football till the season's over. Mm-hmm. And, and those guys are doing the scouting. But when I saw that the Patriots picked him, I said, here we go again. Like they just plug in guys at the running back position and they're super productive. They lost white uh, and they're just going to get this guy back in and go. And so you saw it. He, he's just a phenomenal running back. I think he's uh, he's the kind of guy that can be a premier back in this league for sure. a long time. Uh, Chubb's another one. Barkley, obviously, uh, candidate for rookie of the year. People are kind of complaining about he's not going to be anything what he was in college. And he came out and showed us that's not true. And I think he's worthy of the pick that they picked him in do i want the bills to take a first round running back definitely not uh but i do think that uh it is a more of a priority than people are putting on it in the league and some of these young guys man they're coming right into the league and it used to be running backs needed a little bit of time to get going but these guys are coming right in and taking jobs sure one more thing about that game then we'll move on philip rivers did not play that well got mm. battered, took a beating but man he's still out there battling 
I personally look forward to seeing him in canon someday. That's my opinion, at least. Do you think that Philip Rivers ends up getting in the Hall of Fame, even if he ends his career with zero Super Bowl trips? It's a tough one. And it I, is. I, so I don't, I don't believe in quarterback wins. I think that teams win Super Bowls, teams win these big games. His team did not do him any favors. The Patriots dominated both lines of scrimmage, and you Absolutely. saw that in Philip Rivers running around, and, and he couldn't even get a clean pocket to save his life. Meanwhile, Brady's back there with as much. He doesn't take a lot of time to throw the ball, but he could have taken six seconds if he wanted to. So it's hard to evaluate. A quarterback on wins. Obviously, you have your Troy Aikmans that end up in the in the uh, Hall of Fame only because of team wins. Realistically, so you, you, I understand why people argue with Philip Rivers, but I think the stats. I think he gets in. He's not a first ballot guy, but after a few years, I think they're going to have a real hard time keeping him out of there uh, with the arguments that can be made for what he's been able to accomplish uh, with with the teams that he's been able to accomplish it with he's just got the longevity uh, in the numbers to back it up i believe i agree i don't think he's going to be necessarily a first ballot hall of famer but i think it's a lot that he gets in at some point let's talk about the one game that i thought was actually competitive for all four quarters the saints they end up holding off the eagles 2014 here's the play i want to talk about i'm assuming that you watch the game or at least the highlights down 14 nothing okay fourth and goal from the two yard line I thought that the Saints should kick a field goal to get on the board, make it 14-3. Sean Payton went for it on fourth and two. And again, they're down 14-0 at the time. That's a ballsy call, man. I mean, if they don't make that play, if something goes wrong, if Breeze throws a bad pass and someone misses a block, the receiver drops it, they come away with nothing. They're still down 14. Philly gets that ball. If they score again, in my opinion, it's over. Did you agree with that call? Was that ballsy as hell? Would you have done that? It worked out, obviously, for the Saints. Yeah, these ones are tough, right? Because hindsight's undefeated uh, all time. And I, I probably wouldn't have. I like conservative play calling. I get killed all the time on Twitter for being yeah. okay with something stuff of conservative play callers because a lot of guys just they get antsy and they say, you know, you got to do it. you got to take those chances. And Sean Payton showed that you do have to take those chances. And, and this isn't the first time in his career he's taken big gambles in big games. So uh, you kind of expect it. But football really is a game of inches and, and a game of one or two mistakes can change the outcome of it. And, and that's what always brings me back is – you can have these close games, and it, you, when you look back at it, you say, man, it really came down to three or four plays that changed the entire outcome of this game and the outcome for this team's season. Uh, and that's definitely one of the plays in that game. And kudos to him for having the balls to do that because you're you're putting your franchise on the line at that point. And, and who knows how many runs Drew Brees has left. This could be the last run. And if you gamble it on one play, you know, I, to me, I would have been a little more conservative in that environment. So good for him. He's, he's got balls that I will never have. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, man, everyone talks about Drew Brees and he deserves it. Lattimore making the big plays on defense. But man, Michael Thomas to me is a guy who's not talked enough you know, the people don't talk about him enough around the league. I mean, we talk Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, those guys are all great. A couple others, but Michael Thomas is just about as good as anyone. 12 catches, 171 yards and a touchdown. The Saints don't sniff a win if he doesn't have that type of game on Sunday. This guy is really special. 
he's a beast. I loved him coming out of college. I wanted the Bills to get all over that. Obviously, they don't. And he has success, so I'll talk about it. I won't talk about all the guys that I love that n- nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I think he's the ultimate for Drew Brees. I really think that there's a conversation to be made of Drew Brees being at least in my lifetime and what I've watched to football, one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. And I think I can argue him and Brady all day going back to my philosophy that I don't think quarterbacks win games or Super Bowls. Uh, but I don't think that I think that he's finally he's had some good receivers. Obviously, Colston was a good receiver, above average receiver. But I think right now he's actually got the best receiver he's ever played with and you you saw it this year that's a very dangerous thing for the NFL for him to have that high level of a talented receiver sure for shits and giggles before we move to the next game give me a guess obviously it's going to be a guess where do you predict Nick Foles ends up playing next season just throw it out there throw out a guess ooh Maybe it's Philly. I don't think it's Philly. Yeah, I part of me wants to say the Redskins, but I can't see that happening. But I can see them getting crazy uh, for him. So I'll go with the Redskins. That came up in my in my gut instinct. Okay, I said Jacksonville. So okay, I'm gonna play this back in a couple months. Maybe one of us will be right, and you'll get if you're right, <laughs> you'll probably, get the, you'll get the glory clip on Twitter. <laughs> there you go. It probably won't be me. <laughs> All right, Kansas City. They dominated the Colts, 31-13. Listen, we all know about Pamela Holmes. I mean, oh my God, he's unworldly. Probably going to win NFL MVP. If, he, if I had a vote, that would be mine anyway. Damian Williams runs for 129 yards. Dude, this running game hasn't missed a beat without Kareem Hunt. Is this a case where Mahomes in this offense is just so talented with so many weapons that pretty much anyone could get plugged in and they're probably going to run for 100 yards if they want to? Yeah, and Andy Reid, he's been able to do it his whole career with, uh, you know, he's had good running backs, but when those running backs either hurt or there's an issue that they don't seem to miss a beat, I think that he's good at getting his playmakers in space. Uh, I think Mahomes has uh, the highest rating of like hitting guys wide open in the league. And that is because of design. Like Andy Reed is designing the offense to get these guys wide open. He's stressing defenses to go the other way while the receiver runs out back behind him. So it's an intelligent play design and a quarterback and team that understands that play design. But one thing I want to touch on in that game, I really thought that the Colts, that was the game that I was the most surprised by because I thought the Colts are really going to give them a run for their money sure. because of how dominant their offensive line was all year and how good their defensive line looked. But the Colts dominated again we keep talking about it on both sides of the line in that game and i'll come back to a man in january uh i don't care if you were the you know record-breaking quarterback and throwing the ball out out of the moon uh you still have to be able to run the ball and establish the run and it starts up front and the chiefs did that uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see that the the two teams that i think dominated the line of scrimmage the most this past weekend are going to go head to head uh, and that should be an interesting one. If the, those lines can play the way they did a week ago, I think we're in for some fun, uh, really fun and interesting football because uh, I love that stuff. I, I love watching in the trenches and, and those battles take place because I really think the game, you know, Sean McDermott got almost laughed off the podium when he talked about this year. You know, we really need to figure out ways to establish the line of scrimmage and win at the line of scrimmage. And everyone thought that he was going to bring it back to 1949 football. Uh, and what he, I think what he was saying is what you saw this weekend. Like, yeah, they want to put up points, but yeah, it starts there. Sure. The Colts were overwhelmed Saturday. I mean, they looked like a team. I don't want to say that they looked like a team that was happy to get to that point because they're better than that, but they did get their asses whooped. I'll tell you what though, they're set up to be very, very, very good 
2019. That offensive line you talked about it, Andrew Luck, and they got, they actually, they literally have the most salary cap room, I believe, in the NFL right now to go out and get some guys. So that's a team, when you talk about the AFC in 2019, I'm sure along with Kansas City and Mahomes, they're going to be a force. Yeah, and I believe they still have some picks from the Jets uh, from the Darnold trade yeah. as well. So they're stacked in the draft, stacked uh, for money. And obviously you have Andrew Luck. We talk about this a lot in the Slack channel because I think Bills fans see how healthy the cap has gotten for the Bills. And that's a great thing. There's a couple other teams that are in competition with really healthy caps. I think Indy's in the best position of all of them. Obviously, the only one of those teams to make the playoffs. They have a franchise quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the league when he's playing well they've already established their offensive line so they don't need to spend money in the same places that these other teams do and they can really kind of go and pick and choose and i think playing indoors helps i think playing with andrew luck helps i think that they're going to be one of the teams that the bills have to look at as competitors you know when you look at skill position players uh some of the roles players that they want to get on defense that the bills are going to be targeting i think indy's also going to be targeting and they have more money they have more draft capital so they are a very much a competitor for what the Bills are trying to do in their rebuild, uh, and they're ahead of the Bills in the rebuild. So Indy's a scary team, and they can do a lot this offseason and really become one of the top competitors in the AFC uh, in the next six months. Last game, the Rams beat Dallas 30-22. C.J. Anderson was one of the big stories of the game. He had 123 yards on the ground. The Rams rushed for 273 on Dallas. I don't want to talk too much about the Rams. Actually, I'll get to them when we talk about the NFC Championship game in a second. But all signs point to Jason Garrett not only being back, but getting an extension. Do you do you feel like Dallas as a team, you look at that roster and you look at Jason Garrett, do you think that's a team that Jason Garrett is taking them as far as he's going to be able to take them? Are you a little bit surprised, assuming that he is back, or, that he, or especially if he gets an extension? I'm not sure that, that's the right move if I'm Jerry Jones. I just feel like he's the guy that's going to get you to where he got you to, and that's as far as he's going to take you. If you think I'm wrong, by all means, let me know. Yeah, no, it's tough because it seems that way, right? And obviously, Terrell Owens comes out and tweets that this week and and even went further to say while he was there, uh, you know, he felt that way. But I I don't know. It's hard. Uh, So being a Bills fan, right, and in the feeling that we had when they finally made the playoffs, it is a pretty substantial feat to get to where they have gotten. So it's I think it is also hard to pull the plug after some success like that. But at the same time, they can't seem to get over the hump. Uh, they do have some young talent. I think it, I thought it, what they were able to do to even get into the playoffs was uh, fantastic. Uh, that whole NFC East is always the weirdest division in all of football to me. It, everyone goes into the season thinking they know what's up with that division, and it totally turns on its on its head and ends up somewhere else. Uh, so it's a tough decision for Jerry Jones, but I think if any coach has had a long enough tenure to really make an impact and given the money and the resources to do it, it's been Garrett and the, what he, Jerry Jones has gotten back to me, I would say has not been a good return on investment. And I would probably look for something else. But at this point, uh, you look at this year's coaching search and it was pretty ugly. Uh, the amount of choices available to people and you look at Adam Gase getting hired, uh, you know, so that goes to tell you right there that the choices weren't great. So they might stick with them just out of the fact that there isn't a whole lot available to them. Sure. Fair enough. One more NFL question. And then I want to dive into a little bit of bills. Talk It's championship Sunday. How do you see things playing out? 
Well, I, I love I, I love I, predictions. By the way, Aaron, love them. Yeah, I, I, you know what? So this is another thing I said in the Slack channel. After about twenty years of rooting against the Patriots and it not working out in my favor, I think I'm just going to go ahead and accept my reality and just say, you know what? I I hope that the Patriots get there and hope that I can give them that reverse jinx uh, <laughs> and that it'll ruin it for them. But I, I as a well, I'll tell you fan, this. So let me cut you off though, because you did yeah, say yeah. earlier you talked about Brady and Breeze. You got to admit, that's a pretty intriguing Super Bowl matchup. Yeah, yeah and that's where I was going to go. You know, take my Bills fan hat off and just a fan of the game and the history of the game. I do think it would be cool to have these guys go at it because Breeze is always the guy that I bring up uh, when I talk about possibly somebody to also be the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. Uh, so to see them go up against each other, I think would be super cool and uh, maybe a way for them both to ride out into the sunset together. Good stuff. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, hopefully for sure. At least, especially with Brady. All right, right, I'm here with Aaron Quinn, cover one. Let's turn our attention to the Bills. This isn't necessarily an easy question because I don't think there was one complete standout player all year. But in your opinion, when you look back at the 2018 season, who do you think was the Bills MVP this year? It's a hard. I had this question on our podcast and I really tossed it around between Josh Allen and Tredavious White. Josh Allen only because of the growth that he took from where I thought he was, which I didn't even think he was a round one quarterback. I want nothing to do with the guy. He really won me over this year. I got to admit it. I don't know if it's the homer in me or what, but the kid won me over this year. But Tredavious White. And he got a little flack on Twitter for a two game. I wouldn't even call it a slump. It was four throws uh, or five plays that he did not perform well on. Uh, but Shredavious, outside of that hiccup in the season, I thought was playing at an all pro level for a majority of the season. I think he's the best player on the roster. I, I love Trey White and I love the energy he brings. And I hope he's here for a long, long time. Yeah. And as you know, man, when you're a shutdown corner, very often, especially in the first half of the season, we didn't hear much from him because teams weren't even thrown at him a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were going the other side of the field an awful lot. I kind of, I tend to agree with you about White. I would definitely throw Matt Milano in that mix, especially if he didn't get hurt at the end of the year. And while he wasn't spectacular by any means, and I can't believe I'm saying this because he was freaking 35 years old, but I really liked Lorenzo Alexander this year. He was yeah. steady. He wasn't spectacular. He didn't make a ton of huge plays, but I mean, he didn't hurt you out there. He is a free agent. His age, what do you think the Bills are going to do? Do you bring him back? You're Brandon Bean. Are you looking to bring him back? Yes, I absolutely I am, especially with the departure of Kyle Williams. I think that uh, McDermott loves leadership. He talks about his leadership council all the time. I know people are really upset with that Star Lutulule contract and the production that he produced on the field. I'm not upset with it because, one, they have the money, and two, he actually was good at his job. Uh, it's never going to fill up stat sheets. But I think more importantly is, uh, you know, McDermott talks about winning off the field and on the field and doing the right things. I think a guy like Star and a guy like Lorenzo do those things and, and show this young core because they are a super young core. I think the Bills played more first- and second-year players than any roster in the league this year. They're, they're showing them the ropes of the NFL and film study and the day-to-day, -day, not just the things that show up on Sundays and with Lorenzo you you aren't missing a beat on the field maybe his snap count goes down next year I think they're going to be able to get him on a team-friendly deal he wants to be here they want him back I think it'll be structured similar to how Kyle's deal last year was and then he gets this one last ride off with the team I expect them to fill 
the linebacker position with somebody in free agency or the draft for his future replacement. Um, but I, I think they're going to be very excited to bring him back. And there was a few plays this year, man, where he looked like he lost five years, uh, you know, that he he turned the clock back a few times because the speed uh, wasn't speed I'd seen from Lorenzo Alexander before. So the guy's worth having back on this team. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, one of the good things about the Bills and their salary cap situation is, sure, they got a lot of holes to fill, and they don't have to tie up a lot of their own money in the re-signing their own free agents. Because, frankly, when you look at that list, there's not a lot of guys that they really need to bring back. I would probably consider Alexander their top priority because of his production, but you said it. He's going to get a one-year deal. I, I mean, I would venture to say that Jordan Phillips might be the second most important free agent on this roster right now, which is crazy considering the starting right tackle and the starting right guard are about to become unrestricted free agents. You know what I mean? It's kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. And I totally agree with you. And again, it comes back to, you know, you're losing Kyle Williams. They love having a healthy rotation along the defensive line. And Phillips was fantastic. Uh, he came in and produced right away. And I don't think that they can afford to lose that. If they do, they're ju- it's just another hole to fill with some unknown commodity later. Uh, and I don't know that they have anyone on the roster right now that's ready to fill that void right away. So I think he's a huge priority for them in free agency. Seems like he likes being here, too. So I think that's another nice fit for them and probably a contract that they'll be able to do something team friendly and get him in uh, nice and easy and slide him right in. Now, it's no secret the Bills need to upgrade at wide receiver. They need more help there. Two of the most high profile unrestricted free agent wide receivers were in action this weekend. How do you feel about Tyrell Williams or Golden Tate? And I I need to add about Golden Tate. I don't know if you heard this. I mean, we're taping this late Monday. On Monday, he met with the media and he was quoted as saying that if he doesn't return to Philly, that he doesn't want to go to a rebuilding team. I'm sure he feels that way now, but you know, money always talks come March. But let's just say he stays true to his word. You mentioned Indy earlier. That sounds like, you know, a player that would have Indy written all over it, a team that's ready to contend right now. But what do you think the Bills might do with the wide receiver position? Because there's not any real proven number one wide receiver out there in free agency. And I really think they need one. You think maybe they turn to a trade, address it in the draft. How do you think this team's going to approach wide receiver? Well, it's tough because I do think uh, historically Brandon Bean and with him, Sean McDermott in Carolina did not put a high priority on that typical number one receiver role. I think they liked the idea of a wide receiver by committee. I don't know that that works in the NFL today. We're going to have to trust them for that. I think they would like if they can easily get a number one wide receiver or target one in a trade, they will definitely try to do that. Uh, I tried to look at a year ahead uh, who's coming in free agency in 2020 to see what teams are going to shake out some guy with a bad contract or, you know, try to move on. I didn't even see a lot there that I think a team would move on from. Uh, so it's going to be hard. Obviously, Antonio Brown gets talked about a lot. That would be a huge swing. You know, they talked about taking a swing for Kelvin Benjamin to, to take the swing on Antonio Brown would be a, a pretty big one. I don't know if they are that they're seem to be a pretty conservative team uh, when it comes to placing value on guys uh, to the Golden Tate thing. I would love a guy like that. I've, I've talked about that a lot. I don't think I, I my only hesitation was that I think he wants to win now. 
And I, I could see like Patriots or Colts, like you said, uh, being a destination for him. I love Tyrell Williams. I don't think he's a you know going to come in here and be a hands down number one wide receiver, but I think that he would instantly be the Bills' best wide receiver and really add to that wide receiver room. The nice thing about the Bills' wide receiver room right now, and in, in my opinion, is it's not as bad as we thought it was in September. Uh, you know, here at the end of the season. I really thought there was a chance that they were going to have to add four to five guys to fill this room this offseason. And that was going to take up two, maybe three draft picks and and trying to find some guys in free agency to just compete. But with the emergence of Robert Foster, hoping that he can maintain that in a second year, I think Zay Jones had a really nice development throughout the year. A couple hiccups in the season, but I really liked what I saw from him and being able to develop into a maybe a consistent third option. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie flashed some really nice things. So I think you have at least three guys that can be on this roster next year that you don't have to fill those holes and they're cheap. Uh, So that means they might be able to overpay to compete to get a guy that maybe they shouldn't overpay for. And then the overall wide receiver roster room will be more along the NFL average as far as cost goes, because, uh, you know, you have Robert Foster on an undrafted free agent deal. You have Isaiah McKenzie on a cheap deal. Zay's in the third year of a rookie deal. So you might be able to overpay when I said it earlier, competing with teams like Indy. The Bills might be in a position to overpay because they're spending so little at that position right now, which could leave them in a pretty good spot to fill the rest of that room out. Sure. Bill's offensive line, dude, that's a mess. There needs to be multiple additions, obviously. But in your opinion, does that need to start with center, guard, or tackle? Again, they need more than one guy. But right now to you, what's the biggest priority? Oh, my God. Uh, The guy that I like the least on the line is Mills. Uh, Jordan Mills, I, he, I described him on our podcast as a bad stain in the carpet that just you can't get rid of it. No matter what the bills try to do, he ends up back on the team and playing consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, my good friend, Rob Quinn always jokes about, uh, how he flops all over the place. He's always flopping, uh, you, you know, you can make a mixtape of his flopping. So I'd like to see him gone, but I don't know that he's the biggest. I really think they got to find a center to, uh, really establish that line. I think thought that Groy was going to be able to be you know I love Eric Wood and I love what he provided for the city and I did feel like I felt like he was starting to fall off a little bit in his play on the field and I really thought when he retired that the drop-off wouldn't be as significant as it was this year with Groy but it was super significant and it was a huge problem all year so Anywhere on that interior line, I would take. I don't think that they're going to find a center in the first couple rounds. I really think they're going to try to target Jonah Williams, which I would love uh, if he can fall to the ninth pick and and get that franchise either right or left tackle. Uh, And then outside of that, I think they're going to have a tough time filling filling out a full line in one offseason. It's going to be a big lift for Brandon Bean and company. I really hope if they sign one significant free agent offensive lineman, I, I really would like for it to be a center. Matt Paradis yeah. from Denver. That's a guy that came off right off the top of my head. I I don't know how I feel. I'd have you, listen. You guys watch more tape than I do, so I'm not sure about Eric Wood's play in 2017. I can't say that I agree or disagree with you, but what I do know is that they thought that Ryan Groy and Bodine would do an adequate job of replacing Eric Wood, and they absolutely did not. It was just it was a sore spot on that offensive line. I mean, it wasn't the only one, but to me, it really stood out, and it starts at center. So I'll draft the guard. I'll draft the tackle and take a couple shots, but I want me a nice, solid 
veteran center who's going to come in here. Not a guy like Bodai and a journey. I don't want a journeyman center. I want a good center. And let's start there. Let's start right at center and build from there. That's my yeah. I don't disagree, too, because it takes some of that pressure off of Josh Allen. I think a huge benefit to him this year would have been having a, a guy like Eric Wood, because I think what he maybe was losing physically along the way in his career, he made up for in his knowledge of the game. I don't I think it's second to none, his ability to uh, study for an opponent, prepare for an opponent and know where he and the rest of the line was supposed to be. And communication along the front is so important. And I think going back between Bodine and Groy hurt communication. I don't know that either of them had the head that Eric Wood had on him. And I think that was to the detriment of Josh Allen. It would have been great if Eric Wood was in there calling protections and helping Josh Josh Allen decipher what he was seeing along the way uh, throughout the season. And they, de- it was a huge drop off and, and hopefully they can find a guy to replace that aspect of the game. Absolutely. All right, Aaron. So here's what we do as we wind down. I've been doing this with a lot of my guests lately. I have the Moranalytics interest meter. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run off some topics, a couple sports, a couple pop culture things. I want you on a scale from one to 10, just rate it 10 being it really interests you a lot. One being that you literally don't give a shit. Maybe offer a take or two along the way. That's how we're going to end. You good to go with that? I'm I'm ready. Give me your best shot, man. All right. Lock, and this is the only football one, by the way. Lockport native Sean Coogler joined the Arizona Cardinals staff as O-line coach. I heard a lot of people were hoping that he would come to Buffalo. What do you got? I'll give that one a, a seven and a half. I was pretty upset. I heard the Bills were interested in him and they they couldn't score him. I don't know if they actually got him on the phone or anything, but I'm I'm pretty disappointed that he didn't join our staff and went with a uh, cliff over there in Arizona. Next topic. I don't, you're probably not too much of a hockey guy, but the Buffalo Sabres are struggling. We're taping this again Monday night before the game at Edmonton concludes. As of right now, they went from being at one point the top team in the whole NHL to currently being out of a playoff spot. How much of a hockey guy are you, by the way? Uh, you know, I've been trying to get into it for years. Being from Maine, Maine's got a big hockey college uh, following, and all my friends love hockey. They, they keep telling me to watch the Sabres. I actually also, in addition to doing the graphics for Cover One, I do graphics for Die by the Blade, the uh, SB Nation graphic oh, okay. guy. So yep. it, it keeps me a little bit in the loop with hockey, um, but there's there's a lot of games, and it's tough to follow. So I'm, I'm trying to get into it. It was a lot easier during the 10-game winning streak to get into it. Uh, <laughs> but but so. You're asking me where I'm at on the Sabres right now. A four. Uh, I would say, yeah, four and a half. I'll give them <laughs> a four and a half right now. I I think, you know, they definitely got some pieces that keep it interesting. And if they could gel a little bit more, uh, you know, they might be able to go on another run. But it, it's hard, man. We're at the midpoint of the NBA season and the best record in the West belongs to the Denver Nuggets. Ah, I, that's, uh, I would say that's a nine just because I think a lot of people that don't watch basketball often talk about the reason they don't watch basketball is because, you know, the years, obviously for years, wherever LeBron is, they're absolutely going to the championships. Not even a question. Obviously of golden state, they're definitely going to be in the championship. I think this year, everybody said, you know, the Boston Celtics, it's just going to be golden state and Boston Celtics. I think that NBA needs this type of shocker to the league to say that hey there is still a, maybe a little bit of parody in the league it might not last it's a long season as well it, it, there's a, probably a good likelihood it doesn't last but the fact that it's competitive 
at this point in the season is good for the NBA. So, and I'm a big basketball fan, so I think that is very interesting to me. Yeah, they're 18 and three at home. Jamal yeah. Murray, 18 and a half points a game. Jokic's averaging 19 to 10.5 rebounds. I'm looking at the stats right now. Seven and a half assists. Holy shit, dude! Those are like yeah. MVP. Those are at least MVP conversation numbers. If he keeps up the rebounds and the assists, seven and a half assists too. Wow, I didn't even realize yeah. it. In the Western Conference. In the Western they, Conference, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, a, it's an incredible story, and, and it's great for the game. This is definitely not NBA or sports. Chris Pratt is engaged to Katherine Schwarzenegger, of course, daughter of Arnold and Pam Shriver. I didn't even know that dude used to be married to Anna Ferris, let alone married and divorced from her. I had no idea about any of that. I'm a big Chris Pratt fan, so I'll, I'll give it a, a six. That That's somewhat interesting to me because he's a hilarious, big Parks and Rec fan. So uh, I'll give it that. But no, I didn't even know Arnold Schwarzenegger had a daughter. Parks and Rec or The Office? For me, Parks and Rec. You're and, in the minority. Yeah. I, I'm I respect a that, minority. Though. I respect Even that. in my house. Yeah, my wife kills me for that all the time. She's like, you're an idiot. The first season was terrible, Parks and Rec. I say, ah, you got to enjoy it. It was good. I really like that show, too. I don't know if me and you talked about this on Twitter before. My only issue with Parks and Rec is I just hated the finale so much. I hated the time jump. But what, would it end up like 20, 25 years into the future at some point? That kind of yeah, ruined, yeah. ruined a lot for me because to me... Watching the show is about the journey and getting to the end. And when you know that the end's going to suck, it kind of tempers your enthusiasm near the end. But yeah, there's no denying that's probably a top five show for me as well. It did. The end was tough. I actually hated the way The Office dragged on at the end without Michael Scott. Uh, I, I didn't love the way that whole thing went about. But I, I think the reason I put Parks and Rec over is because I think that uh, I there was more well-developed characters overall. I think Michael Scott's the funniest character ever in TV history. But I think Parks and Rec had a better cast of multiple characters that were well-developed. I love Jerry. Gary, oh. Jerry. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's like even the, the lowest of characters had just some funny thing about it every episode. Uh, Tommy is one of my favorites. Uh, I just loved how everybody played off each other. It's just great character development. But yeah, the ending w- was tough. And yeah. <laughs> that really gives it some negative point. And I'm not even going to lie to you either. I have the Sebastian MP3 on my phone playing that shit <laughs> all the time. All right, two yeah, more here, great. man. And then we're out, all right? Celine Dion and Lady Gaga have both pulled their duets with R. Kelly from all streaming services. Don't that seem kind of fruitless? I mean, it's like a terrible tweet that gets screenshotted. It's already out there forever. What is pulling it off streaming going to do for you? Anyway, what's your interest in that? Uh, I didn't know about it, but now that you mention it, I'll give it a five and a half. I, I'm not going to lie here. And this might get me killed on Twitter. I still play R. Kelly music. I'm a kid of the mid nineties who loves hip hop and R and B. And I love a good R Kelly song. And I think sometimes you do have to separate the artists from their terrible things that they've done in their lives. Uh, all the accusations about Michael Jackson, whether or not true. I love Michael Jackson. Greatest of all time. Uh, OJ Simpson. Great case. He's still on the wall of fame. I respect uh, the career that he had as an athlete and totally disrespect everything that he did that had nothing to do with running on a football field. So I think if you can create those separations, then you don't need to have this type of outrage. Uh, R. Kelly is a terrible human being. I'll end it. With that. No, I, I listen, man, I agree with you 100 percent. I'm a big R. Kelly fan in terms of his music as well. 
I love 90s R&B as well. If it's happened to be playing, you know, if I got Shuffle going on my iPod and his music comes, his song comes on, I ain't turning it off. I'm going to play it. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, I OJ Simpson's a murderer, but you know what? If the Bills are playing, high, if they're showing highlights from the early 70s and OJ Simpson's running the football, I'm not going to turn the video off because OJ Simpson's running for a touchdown. I'm still going to watch it. It was, it was fun to watch. Absolutely. I, and here's a hot take. I think probably the best player of all time in the franchise. So I, they might not want to take his number off the wall because I think he's the best. Hmm. That is that, that, that that's kind of saucy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last one here. Coming to America two is happening. And Eddie Murphy will again star in the film, which according to a release says in the sequel, Akeem learns about a long lost son and must return to America to meet his unlikely heir to the throne of Zamunda. What do you got? Oh, that's going to be a three and a half for me. I love the original. I am so sick of the lack of creativity in Hollywood, television, uh, commercials. I complain about it all the time. I'm like that. I'm like Larry David complaining to my wife. Like, <laughs> these guys have no originality. I'm sick of hashing up his nostalgic memberberry content uh, that just they're playing off of people's memories and nostalgia. And I'm, I'm ashamed to see Eddie Murphy doing it. I'm a big Eddie Murphy fan, and I just can't see how that movie is going to be any good. It feels like a big money grab. That's what it feels Ugh, like. It really does. I hate it because it, it kind of ruins the original stuff, too, when you when you start messing with things like that. All right, folks, you can follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Quinn 716. I'll have it in the show notes as well. Of course, be sure to check out Cover One for all your Buffalo Bills needs. This was fun, Aaron. Thanks a lot, man. This was a good time. Thanks for having me on, man. I had a great time. Moranolytics MVP. You the real MVP. Winter is coming in the middle of April. Yes, 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 yes. HBO revealed Sunday night, just before the season premiere of their show, True Detective, that the incredibly highly anticipated final season of Game of Thrones will premiere on Sunday, April 14th. That announcement that came with a trailer that was about a minute 30. In fact, you could hear it lower in the background here has me so excited. Game of Thrones returns. It's eighth season. It's final season. By the time it comes back in April, it'll have been off the year for more than a year and a half. So Game of Thrones fans, you can only imagine how excited we are. The season will only run for six episodes, but you know what? It doesn't really matter because each episode feels like a movie. In fact, some of them will pretty much be movie length because they can run up to an hour and a half. Because, and this is very smart, by the way, because of its premiere date, Game of Thrones will be eligible for the 2019 Emmys. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'd be shocked if it doesn't clean up. Certainly did last year. Season 7 took home nine Emmys, including Best Drama Series. Can't wait. So freaking excited. April 14th. Please, please, please get here quick. You are such a loser. Loser. You're a loser. 
Moranalytics LVP. Basketball is my favorite sport. I like the way to dribble up and down the court. Just like I'm the king on the microphone. So it's Dr. J and Moses Malone. I like Curtis Blow loved him. Some Moses Malone. Philadelphia 76ers are finally showing him some love, the love that he deserves. They announced last week that they're going to retire his number two later on this season. That's great. My problem with that and the reason why the Philadelphia 76ers organization is my LVP this week is because that shit that should have happened years ago. Simply put, Moses Malone is not just one of the greatest NBA centers of all time. He's one of the greatest Philadelphia 76ers of all time. Why is his number just being retired now about three and a half years after he passed away? I mean, the guy won them a ring in 1983. He was the NBA Finals MVP that year. He was an all-star literally all five years that he was in Philly. He was first team all-NBA, three of them, two-time NBA MVP with Philly, three overall. Again, one of the greatest players who's ever picked up a basketball. Certainly one of the greatest in Philly. He played during that era with Boston, LA, where basketball for me was just so much fun to watch. It reminds me too much of the Buffalo Bills organization. Yes, they retired Thurman Thomas's 34 this year. That was great. But why wasn't it done a long time ago? That's a mistake. I have no idea why his number was not already retired, but guess what? You dropped the ball, Philly. That number should have been hanging from the rafters years ago. It's shameful. Shame. Shame. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye. All right, folks, that is a wrap for this episode. Big thank you again to Aaron Quinn from Cover One. Tell you what, I really liked him a lot. I'm Definitely going to have him back on the show. We'll do some segments. Cover one, really, really strong Buffalo Bills football website. Great insight that I don't think you're going to find anywhere else. Good podcast. They break down film. They do a lot of things well. Definitely worth checking out. Guys, if you haven't done so already, I invite you to subscribe to this podcast. It's quick, it's easy, and it's completely free. The benefit of subscribing is this. Once you do, new episodes will automatically get sent directly to your phone or to your computer within minutes of its release. I usually have a new show every Tuesday and Friday. If you have an iPhone or an iPad, all you got to do, pull that baby out, open up that purple Apple podcast app, type in Moranalytics podcast under search, hit the subscribe button, bam, literally, that's it. That's all you got to do. I would also appreciate it if you left a five-star rating, maybe typed a few kind words in for a review. If iPhones or iPads are not your thing, or if you prefer to get your podcast elsewhere, you can also hit us up on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are found. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter for updates, news, takes, podcast polls, God knows what else. You could do that at Pamoran Tweets. Have a good, solid rest of the week. I'll be back with another show on Friday. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it. Make your dreams come true. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs>